Hey, what up? Welcome back to Twisted Philly, the podcast dedicated to my favorite twisted stories about Philadelphia. Thank you to everyone who jumped on my twisted adventures in podcasting. It was really humbling to receive so much support on social media and email since the first episode. So I've got to take a minute to give a few what ups to some very cool people. A what up is like a shout out Philly style. So what up to the amazing women of two of my favorite podcasts, The Apex and The Abyss and The Vanished Podcast. These women promoted my first episode. They offered me support and encouragement, which left me sort of starstruck because I've been following both those shows for a while. Uh, My second what up is to my dear friend Adam, who sent me a link entitled 27 Steps to Getting Your Podcast on iTunes. When I opened the link, I had already completed the first eight or nine steps, so I was feeling rather proud of myself, as if I was a podcasting genius before I even began. Then I read through the next 10 steps, and I was like, oh, fuck. But I guess it all worked out in the end, because you're listening. So last week, I told you the story of Philadelphia Corpse collector Harrison Marty Graham. Now, I love true crime, and trust me, there will definitely be more true crime stories like Marty's. But that's not all I love about Philly. I love the creepy, the haunted, I love the unexpected and the unusual, and I want to share with you my other passions for Twisted Philly. And there is no place I am more passionate about than the Mutter Museum of Medical Oddities. One of the things that I love about Philly so much is our museums, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the Franklin Institute, the Please Touch Museum with the Star Wars Day in summer, and it's an absolute friggin' madhouse that day. These are beautiful buildings, rich with history and culture, and trust me, the Mutter is full of both. So I should probably warn you, you're going to hear me slip like I just did and say mutter when I'm trying to say mutter. Now, I know it's not mutter and it's not exactly mooter. It's some blend between the two and then you throw my Philly accent into it and it comes out mutter, like a D instead of a T. So go ahead and laugh because I'm laughing at myself for the way I say it. I never visited the Mutter until I was an adult. Now, it's definitely the sort of place my dad would have loved, and he would have loved that a place like this would have totally freaked out my mom. Yet, we never visited. We did the Franklin Institute, and we did the Art Museum constantly, but the Mutter Museum was never on our to-do list. I remember in my 20s, a dear friend telling me about a business networking event, of all things. She attended at this weird medical museum with skulls, and slices of tumors, and I was hooked. What is this place? How did I not know about this? Where is it, and how soon can I get there? And thus, my love for the Mutter Museum of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia was born. This episode is dedicated to all things Mutter, and it's an episode that I'm going to call Mutter Butter. When I was little, Nutter Butters were my favorite cookies. They were shaped like peanuts, and they looked like Mr. Salty, the little peanut man that danced on TV. And the peanut butter inside didn't really taste like peanut butter. I mean, I'm sure there were peanuts in it. No offense to the company that made Nutter Butters. But it was more like the sweet peanut butter inside of a Reese's cup. So it was surprising and unexpected and delicious. And that's the same way that I would describe the Mutter Museum. 
It is always surprising. It is highly unexpected. And I think they are delicious and the commitment they make to medical science and preserving the legacy of the museum's namesake. And that's where we're going to start today, because without Dr. Mutter, there would be no Mutter Museum. While Dr. Thomas Dent Mutter spent most of his life in Philadelphia, he wasn't actually a native of our city of brotherly love. And as you'll find out, our sweet city didn't always show him much love either. He was born in 1811 in Richmond, Virginia to Lucinda and John Mutter. Now, this sounds kind of creepy today. In 2016, his mother was just 15 years old when she married his father. But hey, it was the Victorian era and the highlight of any young genteel lady's life was to marry an eligible husband. And girl, you had to do that shit before things started to sag. Unfortunately, sorrow plagued Dr. Mutter's young life. He was orphaned by the age of eight, and this was due to the passing of his younger brother when his brother was just about a year old and Dr. Mutter was three. Um, his mother then passed away about five months after his little brother. And then when Thomas Mutter was barely eight years old, his father passed away. Uh, he had taken a journey to Europe for ill health, and unfortunately, it did not yield the restorative benefits he was hoping for. Oh, and then when, um, right after Mutter's father passed away, his grandmother, who had been caring for him, died as well. So yeah, his early years of childhood sort of sucked. But like a Dickens novel, Mutter eventually landed with a kind benefactor, a family friend. He had a meager inheritance from his family. So he was set, not necessarily well off, but cared for throughout his youth and his young adulthood. Now, during that time, he was also plagued by two things. One was infirmity, and the other was an obsession with clothes. The man could dress. He was charming, he was handsome, and he wore a tight-fitting suit like nobody's business. Dr. Mutter was kind of a baller, long before the term ever existed. Now, in the early 19th century, the city of Philadelphia was like the holy grail of medicine. This was the place to be for aspiring surgeons, for young physicians, for apothecaries, provided you were white and male. Yeah, white and male. So as long as you met that criteria and attended a certain number of lectures and could prove that you understood what you learned in the lectures, you basically were a physician. The University of Pennsylvania was where it's at if you wanted to become a physician in the 1800s, and that's where Mutter went to complete his studies. After he graduated, he spent some time in Europe, which was the thing to do back then, and he studied in Paris, where his snappy clothes and flamboyant personality were very appreciated by the Parisians, certainly much more than the Quaker Philadelphians. While he was in Paris, he learned about plastic surgery. And at the time, the idea of plastic surgery was really treating patients with deformities who, who didn't require life-saving surgery, but their lives could significantly benefit from procedures that would improve, repair, or remove a disfigurement, um, provided these folks didn't die as a result of the surgery. Now, after about a year abroad, Dr. Mutter returned to Philly and opened his own practice, but success really eluded him for a while. He had his fair share of haters. Um, why? Well, because he sort of slapped tradition in the face. You know, he dressed better than everyone else. And when he was a professor at Jefferson Medical College, he built relationships with his students. And this was sort of unheard of. You know, he would do things like say hello to them when they entered the room and he would treat them as intelligent people. Um, 
you know, I know you remember in high school and college, there was always one or two teachers that everyone loved more than the rest of the faculty because they saw us as people, not just one of a hundred drones ushering in and out of their classrooms or lecture halls. They saw us and addressed us and engaged us and challenged us, and they wanted to know what we thought or what we had to say. I know who those teachers were for me, and I'm sure you do too. Well, Dr. Mutter was that guy. He also empathized with his patients, and this was in an era where being an old codger before you were really old was the sign of a learned physician. Mutter really felt for people, and he showed patients he cared, he taught his students to care, he advocated for patient care. So these were all things that really stood him apart from so many of his peers. Now, he did have a few mentors that encouraged his career and helped pave a way for him to make a name for himself as a renowned surgeon who would try procedures and invent procedures that nobody had ever heard of before. He was also an early adopter of anesthesia, anesthesia by ether. So when many other high-ranking physicians, especially in Philadelphia, were against it um, or even afraid of it, he was someone that was really promoting the concept and the uses there. And the crazy thing was prior to the discovery of ether as an anesthesia or an anesthetic, you were awake and communicating with your surgeon during the procedure. You were awake as in, yes, doctor, I do feel the scalpel cutting into my flesh. No, it does not feel pleasant. And yes, I am trying not to scream like a fucking banshee from the pain. Again, provided they didn't die from the surgery. So in almost every way, Dr. Mutter danced and cured to the beat of his own drum. He was a cool ass dude during a time when many professional men were stodgy, elitist a-holes and really focused on their rank in society. So, okay, with this whole history lesson, where did the museum come from? Well, remember those childhood illnesses? They unfortunately plagued Dr. Mutter most of his life. And in the mid-1850s, his health took a serious decline, so much so that he made the difficult decision to resign from his position as the department chair of surgery at Jefferson Medical College. And he taught there as a professor from 1841 to 1856. Over the years, Mutter had amassed a collection of curiosities. And that word makes me laugh because a human colon the size of a large dog is more than a curiosity. He had close to 2,000 specimens. There were skeletons, there were skulls, there were wet specimens. As if the word specimen doesn't have its own ick factor, let's just throw the word wet in front of it. He had wax replicas. In fact, one wax replica was one of the first pieces he acquired, and it was during his first trip to Paris. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you because if you visit the museum, you'll get to see exactly what that wax replica is. And so he was really concerned about what would happen to all of this in his collection after his death. So during the years before he died, he made a deal with the College of Physicians of Philadelphia, which isn't really a college, but it's the oldest private medical society in the United States. Now, I'm a little ashamed to admit I didn't know that, um, but you know, you learn something every new every day. And to me, when I read that, it sounded like the Freemasons or the Illuminati, which 
is not fair of me at all to say that the College of Physicians of Philadelphia sounds like either of those organizations because I have absolutely no information or fact to base that assessment on. But to me, it just sounds kind of secretive and spooky, like the oldest private medical society in the United States founded right here in Philadelphia. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. So Dr. Mutter willed his collection as well as funds to support displaying and curating the collection to the College of Physicians. Dr. Thomas Dent Mutter died at an early age in 1959. He died at the age of 47. Now, two years later, construction began on the Mutter Museum. Its original location was at the corner of 13th and Locust Streets. But then in 1909, the College of Physicians moved to a building on 19th Street and the museum moved with it. And that's where it stands today. And this building is amazing. For me, the building itself is like part of the collection. When you arrive at the Mutter Museum, you head up a small staircase with beautiful columns at the front entrance. It's incredibly grand. And inside is this enormous, beautiful marble rotunda. The architecture is intricate and it's a sight for the eyes before you even get to the good stuff. The main exhibit area is two stories of unbelievable polished wood and glass display cases that line the walls in some places from floor to ceiling. There's freestanding cases along with an enormous open staircase. And when you're on the second floor, you can look over the balcony with beautiful polished brass down to the first floor and you're surrounded by skulls and body parts and medical instruments that look more like torture devices than anything that could ever save your life. An enormous section of one wall is dedicated to a permanent display of 139 skulls. Now these are from Viennese anatomist Joseph Hurdle. The museum acquired this collection a long time ago in 1874, so only um, maybe about 14 years after the museum opened. And the seriously cool thing about Joseph Hurdle is that he was studying skulls of Caucasian Europeans because he was trying to prove that there was just as much cranial differences between skulls of Caucasian people as there were between Caucasians and people of other races. At the time, cranial anatomy was considered to be a sign of intelligence and there was a theory that Caucasian people were more intelligent because of their skulls and similarities between their skulls. And so he was proving that that was total bullshit and that there was no difference between races and ethnicities. And he was doing this in 1874. So what are some of my favorite displays at the Mutter? Um, the first one, I guess I would have to share, and this is, okay, it's a little gross, um, but it's this little tiny baby conjoined skeleton. Oh, so sweet and so sad. The condition is called cephalothoracopagus. I may have pronounced that correctly. I don't know. Sounds like a dinosaur. Um, but the skeleton is so small and there's only one skull and the body is joined at the rib cage, but you can clearly see two distinct bodies, each with two arms and two legs, but only one little baby skull. And I know this is going to sound seriously fucked up, but the mouth of the skull looks as if it's smiling and it's like the sweetest little skeleton you could ever possibly see. Another favorite display of mine is something I already mentioned, and it's the massive colon. It's like the size of a German shepherd. And there's a photograph of the man who grew this colon. And in the picture, he looks like he is eight or nine months pregnant. And God bless this poor man. Unfortunately, he did not survive this condition. This was around the turn of the century. 
And once the colon was emptied, its contents filled two large buckets. Yeah, I know you know what was in that colon. I don't even need to say it. Um, the other thing I love so much are the medical instruments that in many cases look like anything but something that should be used to save a life. There are surgical instruments from before the turn of the 19th century that look like they belong in the home of Leatherface or Freddy Krueger rather than in a doctor's office or a surgical theater. There are Civil War amputation instrument kits. Just unbelievable. And when you look at these and you think about what early physicians and surgeons in the 18th century and 19th century had at their disposal, I mean, they were crude and barbaric. And they persevered in their efforts to try to save humanity and, and to grow the medical profession. And I think it's just unbelievably fascinating. Um, there's so many incredible and unbelievable specimens on display. There's the liver of famous conjoined twins, Chang and Ang. There are slices of Einstein's brain, all kinds of tumors and organs floating in jars, even testicles. So yeah, it's creepy and it's twisted, but it's also educational. The work that the Mutter Museum continues to do for medical science with lecturing and then tours for the average person like you and me is really just quite fantastic. Um, and the special events are also what I think are one of the best parts about the museum. There are two events I attended, um, one a few years ago and one just this summer, and I absolutely loved every minute of them. So a few years ago, I bought tickets for an after-hours flashlight tour of the Mutter Museum, and this was right around Halloween. So imagine this beautiful old building. It's over 100 years old, and the only lights are from a few display cases and the flashlights of your tour guide. Other than that, this place with all the creepy skeletons and skulls is pitch dark. It was quiet. It was almost reverent. And then, as if touring it in the dark wasn't cool enough, we got to go behind the scenes. Yes, please show me shit people never get to see because it makes me feel so special and I think I know more than everyone else. Okay, I'm getting way too excited right now just retelling this experience. So we were taken into the library. Now, I am a book freak. Someday, I want a room in my home that is floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. So being given the opportunity to step into the historical medical library almost made me weep. The floors of the library are glass. They're these enormous thick glass blocks that are like the size of cinder blocks. And honestly, I was afraid to step on them until the guide told me, you know, of course it's fine. Everybody walks through here. And the library is multiple stories high. And in front of you, you see row after row of bookshelves. But if you look down, you can see through to the floors below you. This library has hundreds of texts printed before the 1500s. I mean, seriously, they have texts that are half a millennium old. The Historical Library of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia has the best cataloged collection of this type of material in the world, and that is because Philly is the shit. There are over 12,000 publications in this library, and we're talking about books that founded the concepts of medicine. Like, so when you get past the twisted, creepy part of the motor, which I love, its contribution and, and the men besides Dr. Mutter that he worked alongside with in Philadelphia in the 1800s really are what made medicine what it is today in this country. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm losing my shit again. 
I'm hopeful the mutter will bring back the flashlight tours again because they're absolutely wonderful. And to do it around Halloween is sublime. The other amazing event that I attended was actually just a few weeks ago this summer, and it was a launch party for the Mutter coloring book. Yes, a fucking coloring book. Um, and guess what exhibit is in the coloring book? My favorite little conjoined babies, which this week I colored in pink and blue. It was a lovely event. It was a cocktail reception. There was an opportunity to speak with staff from the Mutter, as well as the artist of the coloring book, um, Joanne Doty, who was one of the coolest women I have ever had the pleasure to meet. Besides the lovely food and drinks, there were coloring stations set up around the museum and outside in the medical plant garden. Like it was just a perfect way to spend a summer evening. If you are someone who likes adult coloring books like me, um, and you didn't even realize that the Mutter Museum existed or had a coloring book, it's not too late to get the book. You can go online to their website. You can order it online, and it's really adorable. I also recommend a couple of books. Um, you should definitely check out the book Dr. Mutter's Marvels by Kristen O'Keefe Aptowitz. And Kristen, if you're listening and I butchered your last name, please accept my humble apologies. Um, Dr. Mutter's Marvels isn't just a fantastic book about the doctor and the museum. It's a fantastic book. There is so much to learn about this charming, curious man, when and where he studied, who he influenced, who he rumbled with. Okay, maybe doctors didn't rumble in Philly in the 19th century, but he had some serious competition among other up-and-coming and long-established physicians and surgeons in the city of Philadelphia. Kristen's book also talks about the rivalry between the University of Pennsylvania and the Jefferson College of Medicine. And it's a fascinating look at Philadelphia in the 1800s. Like it made me long for that period of time in this city, even though we were full of cholera and purple fever. Um, it's just a beautiful book and it's fun and it's interesting. And I'm a little starstruck again because this week on Twitter, Kristen liked a tweet of mine about the mutter, so thank you. Um, there's another fabulous photo book by the former director and curator of the Mutter Museum, Gretchen Warden. You can find that on Amazon. It's titled the same name as the museum, Mutter Museum of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. Um, it is a photo book, so don't go into it thinking it's going to be a history book about the museum. Um, but the pictures are unbelievable. So if you live, you know, in a place where it's not easy to get to Philly to visit the museum, this would be a great book for you to check out because you can see so many of the unbelievable exhibits that are in the museum. As I was working on this week's episode, the Mutter hosted a pop-up beer garden in their medical plant garden outside of the museum. See, that's what I love about this place. They honor the history of medicine in our great city. They're still committed to continuing the tradition of education and they blend it with creative modern thinking to keep generations interested in what they have to offer. And I absolutely believe that that creative thinking really started with Gretchen Warden and the time that she was the director of the museum. Um, and you all know Philly loves their pop-up beer gardens. The museum also is a terrific website. There's so much information about the history of the museum, about permanent exhibitions. There's information about special exhibitions and upcoming events. Speaking of events, you can actually rent the Mutter. Like, seriously, I could rent it for a party. And considering that I will never get married ever again, I'm thinking of throwing myself a milestone birthday bash in a few years. I can't think of anywhere else I would rather host a party than at the Mutter Museum. 
Well, Twisters, that is all from me for this episode. Yeah, I made up a cute little nickname for my listeners. I'm calling you Twisters. I hope you like it. If you don't, there's not much you can do about it because I'm going to call you Twisters anyway. And you true crime junkies, don't worry. I promise there will be more true crime and serial killer episodes coming up. But serial killers isn't the only thing on the menu in Twisted Philly. So thanks for listening. Thanks for going on this journey with me back in time to learn about Dr. Thomas Dent Mutter. If you live in the Philadelphia area or within a decent driving distance, I seriously encourage you to check out the museum. I also want to mention that the museum had no idea I was doing this podcast this week. Um, I have not been asked by them to talk about the museum. This is all me because it really is my absolute most favorite museum in the city of Philadelphia. Thanks again for listening and ciao for now. Stay twisted. Oh, one last thing before I forget. So there are a few little audio glitches in this episode, and that is partly because I am recording while I'm on vacation. That's right, Twisters. I am in the beautiful city of Cape May, New Jersey, and I didn't want to wait an entire week before releasing a second episode. So I tried to create a space that would be conducive to recording in my hotel room. And while I've been recording, I can hear toilets flushing in the rooms on either side of me. I could hear a maid vacuuming. I can hear kids screaming from the pool. Um, Hopefully you didn't pick all of that up, but um, I wanted to let you know why there might be a couple little glitches and say thank you for bearing with me. Stay twisted.